E. And uh, we've already reviewed light. Right? So Jesus is the one who illuminates who God is. He's the one who teaches us how to interpret Scripture. Uh, but he's also the one who's, who says, hey, if you want to know who God is, look at me. This is what Jesus says. And then uh, last week, I, I kind of feel like we I should have preached last week's sermon this week, last week's sermon, fire. And uh, the only fire I'm feeling right now is this warmth right here as I rub my hands together, right? So you may want to, you may want to get, get a little fire going where you are. It's a little chilly in here, but yes. So, but he is God's refining fire uh, for us. He, uh, he consumes what is not of God when we come to him by faith. And what he leaves is what God wants in our lives. He also empowers us to do what God has called us to do. And then this week, God uh, is a living water, and Christ is the one. Christ is the one and only who can offer to us God's living water. Now, um, I, I am curious to know how God is providing for you in your life these days. Um, he provided for me yesterday a wonderful men's event here. We had 41 guys uh, led by uh, Jeffy Zell and Shea Engel and their team putting together the breakfast. And I just had a wonderful time. We heard from uh, the guy who runs The Truth Radio, um, Brian Kite. Is that his name? Brian Kite? He came uh, and shared with the men. Wonderful time. And two of my new friends uh, who just joined us uh, two weeks ago uh, were there. Got to know them better, uh, Derek and Mike. And uh, we have a few folks that are uh, staying after church today for our newcomer luncheon. And so I, I find that God is providing for me in my life. And I'm interested to know how he's providing for you. But you got to wait uh, until we get to bread. All right, cause so bread is in a couple of weeks. See, God is provider. You see? Uh, so each of these images is how God shows up in the world, right? So bread, we're going to do that message in a couple of weeks. Have you found him to be faithful, God to be faithful, that you can count on him? Yes? Okay, well, that's rock. That's next week, okay? So each of these images by itself does not tell us who God is. But each of these images, when taken together, is going to paint the picture of who Christ reveals God to be. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, uh, water, by the way, shows up all throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture. And, and the Scriptures use the image of water in different ways. But Jesus is the one who wants to teach us not just about what water is, right? You can go to chemistry class to learn about what water is. No, Jesus teaches us about what living water is. Very different. Living water, regular water. Uh, I drank some regular water uh, this morning to hydrate my body, right? Without a little bit of water, uh, the body kind of breaks down. Without living water, guess what? Your soul breaks down. You cannot exist in your walk with God without living water uh, within you. Okay, so there's our image for today. And we're going to read a part of a longer passage, John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. Let's pray as we prepare to do so. Father... I thank you for giving to us your one and only. I thank you for Jesus. God, I pray that we would not see Jesus as somehow like a, a, a mechanism 
or a bare means by which we come to you. Rather, help us to see that Jesus is the one and only. He is the one and only light, one and only word made flesh. He is the one and only consuming fire, the judge. He is the one and only who can give us living water. Help us to see that Jesus is the center and is the sum of our faith as Christians. And then help us to place all our confidence, all our faith, all our devotion and worship and expectation onto Him, trusting that we will not be disappointed as we come to Jesus. I pray, God, your blessing on your word as we read what Jesus has to say about himself today to a woman who'd been drinking at the wrong wells. And I pray this now through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sukkar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with? And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Well, uh, sometimes people misunderstand what living water is. She misunderstood twice. Jesus says to her, Hey, uh, could I get a drink? Are you talking, you talking to me, she says? Yes, I'm talking to you. And if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked me. I would have given you a drink. But the kind of water I would have given you is living water. She misunderstands him the first time and says, uh, 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 you know, how are you going to give me this water? You've got nothing to draw water with. And he says, I'm not talking about regular water. I'm talking about living water, Right? And, and maybe you've misunderstood, too. Maybe, maybe you've misunderstood because um, you tend to get thirsty like everyone else in this world. And not for the water that flows readily out of our taps. Hopefully you don't have to go in your backyard, dig a hole, and put a bucket down in it in order to have something to drink. 
I hope, I hope none of you has to do that. I hope you just turn on the faucet and, or stick the glass up against the refrigerator and the water comes out freely. Back in these days, if you wanted a drink, you had to dig a hole real, real deep and you had to bring the water up and then you had to boil it, right? Generally speaking, unless you found like a nice pure uh, source of clean spring water. Um, it's hard to say what this lady was going to have to do with the water that she brought up out of that well, but this is the point. It's natural water, water for the body. And Jesus himself got thirsty for that kind of water. Hey, could I have a drink? Jesus is a human being, just like you. He gets thirsty. He needs to drink some water. He needs to drink something. Uh, we were back in the back, and they're opening up cans of uh, LaCroix. How do you say it? LaCroix. How do you say it? LaCroix, yeah. So fizzy flavored water. They didn't have fizzy flavored water back in Jesus' day. But however, whether you fizz it or you flavor it, you're still going to drink some water. Right? You got to. You can be pretty stubborn about it. You can say, well, I'm going to put uh, some uh, um, artificial sweetener and a little bit of carbonic acid and some, uh, some of that dye, and I'm going to call it Coke Zero. <laughs> but you still got to drink the water. Your body needs it. And the second time she says, oh, sir, well, if you've got this water that you can give it to me, give it to me so I don't have to keep drawing water from this stupid well here. I didn't say stupid well, but, you know, every, every day you go to the well, you drop the bucket down, you pull the water up, you walk back to town, and you drink your water. And she's tired of getting the water out of the well. And yeah, all right, maybe you're tired of having to go to the refrigerator and put the glass up there. I don't know. Point is, it's a lot easier to get water today than it was back then. But Jesus was not talking about natural water. He was not talking about the kind of water that he himself needed to drink in order to sustain his biological functions. He says, no, no, living water. Living water. And she had no idea what he was talking about. But she does because we all do. We just sometimes play hard to get. She, she played hard to get in this passage. He starts talking to her about her relationships. In the, in the verses after this, he says, well, um, why don't you go get your husband? I have no husband. He says, I know you have no husband, but you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. Uh, I see you're a prophet. Uh, well, let me talk to you about theology. And she starts to divert off of this. But Jesus is persistent because he wants to bring her to the central question that her soul is crying out for. Where can I go for satisfaction? Where can I go so I don't have to keep drawing, so that I don't have to keep seeking, so that I don't have to keep longing? It's no secret that she was alone in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, drawing water from a hole in the ground. It's no secret that that is not the time when people would go to fill their buckets. But this lady knew what it meant to be alone. And five times over, she'd been unlucky in love. She kept going back, drawing from the same well. She kept going back, drinking the same dirty water. She kept going back time and time and time and time again. And Jesus says, you know, I got, I got something for you. 
It's called living water. And even when God's one and only shows up and says, I can give you water so that you will never long, you will never desire, crave, you will never thirst again. Let's talk theology. Uh, Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about how cold it is in the room. Let's talk about politics. No, we better not talk about that. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about anything except satisfying our soul's deep longings. This is what living water is. Living water is God's answer to what your soul craves. Your soul, my soul, we have needs, longings, deep cravings. And these are not necessarily evil. You desire love. You need love. You were created to need love. She needed love, and she'd been looking for love in all the wrong places, as the song go. Uh, looking for love, too many faces. She'd gone through five guys, and she was still looking. Still sticking that bucket down the same well. And you know what this is. You know what this is. This is, we don't know any different, we don't know any better, and maybe the culture is screaming at us, well, here's where you go to find love. Here's where you dig your hole to get the water that will truly satisfy you. Here's where you need to go so that in life you can feel like you can finally go, ah, that satisfied my thirst. But she was wrong. And guess what? The culture is wrong. The culture cannot direct you to dig a hole deep enough to find a water living enough to satisfy your deep cravings for love, for acceptance, for peace, deep abiding peace. It's just not out there. But God's not playing hard to get. God's not saying, good luck, keep, keep digging your holes, keep throwing your buckets down, keep, keep looking until you find that water that satisfies. No, he doesn't do that. He shows up in the person of Jesus Christ and he says, hey, it's me, it's me. John chapter seven, on the last and greatest day of the festival, this is in Jerusalem. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. How's that sound? Endless supply of love and peace and presence. Ah, oh, sounds good. What's he talking about? What is this living water? Well, John helps us out. He says, by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in Jesus were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. 
What is living water? I've already said, this is what will satisfy your soul's deepest longings and cravings. And you say, well, what is it? And how do I get it? You come to Jesus. He said, hey, come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're craving it. And what is this living water? It is God's spirit. It is the presence of the living God dwelling within you. Because here's what God knows. You can't fill up anywhere else nothing less than God himself will satisfy your soul's deep longings so why would God send you anywhere else why would he say uh all right we'll try digging here uh you know uh date a few people uh see if you can find somebody that'll really uh really dig you pun intended see digs well, anyway, uh, somebody who really digs you, and then, and then you guys settle down, and that will satisfy your soul's deep longings. I would say the divorce rate in our country, it tells that lie pretty clearly. You're going to dig, you're going to dig, and you're going to dig, and as long as you think there is another human being on this planet who will satisfy you at the deep levels of your soul, you will continue to draw that bucket and come up empty. Well, I know then, I won't go for people, I'll swear off dating, I'll swear off a marriage, I'll swear off all of that, and instead, it'll be my career, success, money, prestige, all the things the devil's like, yeah, go after that, go ahead, yeah, try, dig your hole, dig your hole, come on, I'll give you the shovel, come on, let's go dig. I'm going to tell you, you're going to come up empty. You're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to look back at a bunch of dry wells that you've done dug and you took all the water up out of those holes and you're still thirsty. But Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I will give you what you long for. I will give you what you need. I will dispense into you waters that are alive. And out of you will flow this living water that will saturate your life, that will satisfy your soul, and that will well up within you to eternal life. You say, what is this eternal life? A lot of people think that when Jesus refers to eternal life, what he's talking about is living forever. Eternal life means living forever. That's not what Jesus means when he says the phrase eternal life. It does happen to be life that endures forever. Yes, that, that is. But that's not what he means. When Jesus, in the, especially in the book of John, refers to eternal life, he doesn't mean live forever. He means life that is an everlasting, unending source of joy and peace the kind of life that people would kill for, Jesus died for. After Jesus had said this in John 17, he looked toward heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life. There it is. To all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, 
whom you have sent. Eternal life in John's gospel is your relationship with the living God. That's what it is. And if you're in a relationship with the living God, you don't get dumped. You don't get fired. You don't lose your 401k plan. And if you're willing and you seek him for it, the life that wells up within you satisfies all your longings. How could God make something that would satisfy us more than he, he himself? Here's what Scripture teaches. Living water is God's gift of himself. He will come and live his life within you. But you must believe what he says about who Jesus is. Jesus says, you got to believe in me. Jesus says, if you want to have your thirst quenched, it's me. And he is the one and only. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The psalmist gets it. The psalmist gets that I've been, I've been drinking this and drinking that and drinking this, all, taking all kinds of sources of, of life, so-called, in this world, and I've realized my soul's deepest longing will only be satisfied in God. And so he writes the song. <sighs> it's not much of a love song. I'm panting for you, God. <laughs> but this is the idea that you have a craving in your soul that only God can satisfy. And I promise you, if you feel satisfied in anything other than God, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. And the woman at the well, she's figured this out by now. She's figured it out. Here's another picture of water. <clears throat> Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So this is a picture of like the, the ocean going whoosh, right? And there's chaos and the mountains are falling and the earth is shaking and the water is exploding, right? And we're like, yeah, that's, that's how my life feels right now. <laughs> yeah, that's my life. Uh, is that the picture of water that uh, is this uh, 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 soul-satisfying? No, no, no. It's the next verse. The soul-satisfying water is this one. But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail, fall. My eyes are failing me. She will not fall. <laughs> I could not tell. God will help her at break of day. You see, the water around you is surging and roaring and foaming, but the water within you, the water of God's presence, will sustain and satisfy you. And then take this verse from John chapter 3. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. 
And Jesus says to Nicodemus, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And we could say that another way, outside and inside. Born on the outside means you've got to repent. Born of water, it simply means uh, baptism is a picture of repentance. You've got to turn away from all other wells, all other sources of water, and come to the water of repentance. Where you're baptized, and you say, I'm going to die to myself, and so you must do this. You must say, oh, I'm going to stop up all my other wells. I'm going to stop going to all the places, looking for all the love in all the wrong places. I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm going to come to the one and only. That's what being born of water means. You've turned away. You've turned to war. You've been baptized into the water and out again. And then baptism by the Spirit, of course, means inside you've been filled with the life, the presence, and the peace of God. This is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. And of course, Nicodemus, even though he was wise in many ways about the Scriptures, was clueless because he didn't understand about the Spirit. He didn't understand that the very presence of God is right here waiting to come into your life, waiting to be that peace of God, that stream of water within your soul. Waiting to be the satisfaction that you long for, that you're craving, and you're going all over creation looking for it, and he's right here. And all you must do is say, in Jesus' name, I turn away from sin and I receive the gift of God within. The waters that cleanse, wash me clean, and that fill me to overflowing with God's very spirit, his very presence, who brings me God's presence his goodness, and his love. Well, I hope you're saying, give me, give me this water. I, I like that water. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I'll have what he's having. Because that sounds like a pretty good drink. It is. Now, most people are digging at dry wells. This is a picture of a well in, in the Sahara Desert. Doesn't really matter where in the Sahara Desert, because it's a desert, right? You find a well like this, and you hope when you put the bucket down that something wet comes up. There are people in your life that you keep going back to. People in your life you keep going back to, and you put your bucket down, and you bring it up, and you're thinking, surely they're going to give me something good. I keep coming back here time and time and time again to get something good from this person. It could be a family member, could be a spouse, could be a parent, could be a child, could be a coworker, could be somebody sitting in this room. And you're thinking to yourself, surely I'm going to get something good from this person because maybe, maybe it's a difficult season in your life. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're uncertain. Maybe there's anxiety in your life. And so you think to yourself, I, I need people. I, I need people. I need people in my life to encourage me, to give me peace, to, to give me strength, to give me all the good things. And wouldn't it be nice if we could count on people to do that for us? 
Wouldn't it be nice if every time, let's say, I was discouraged, I could go to Allison and I could say, hey, give me, give me some living water. And wouldn't it be nice if she could say, yeah, I got some right here in a cup for you. Here you go. But she is not the source of living water. As beautiful and as loving as she is, she is not living water. I need Jesus. I need Him. He is God's one and only. And if I want to be satisfied, deep down, I must say, you know what, uh, I guess it needs to be Jesus. Let it be. Let it be Jesus. Why would I go anywhere else thinking I'm going to find what satisfies my soul? Why would I think that God would say, well, I'm going to make one and only way for you to find the living water, but if you miss him, I'll throw a couple other wells out there. You can draw them. No, God says, come to Jesus and let your soul be satisfied. But we don't just have uh, dry wells. Uh, we also got this guy to contend with. <clears throat> And you know who this is, right? Because there are dry wells, and then there's the Kool-Aid man. And his minions. The Kool-Aid man has minions. And they're clever and crafty. Look at them. They look just like little kids, all innocent. But they're selling Kool-Aid. And some of you want to drink the Kool-Aid. Do you know where that phrase comes from, don't drink the Kool-Aid? It's not a very happy story. But there was a guy who said he knew the way to God. And all you needed to do was follow him. His name was Jim Jones. And the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, is based on some really unsavory events that took place in the late 1970s. Jim Jones knew the way to God. Turns out Jim Jones was paranoid. He might have been demon-possessed because he was apparently able to tell the future. That's why people followed him. So he was like a miracle worker. And he was paranoid, and so he tried to create a compound here in the U.S. And, and everybody, I know the way, right? He was a cult leader. I know the way, I know the way to God. And so the people followed him, a lot of people followed him. And when he ran into trouble with the government, they, uh, they traveled to Guyana. And they set up their compound there. Hundreds of people, families, adults, and children. And in 1978, the government went down, the U.S. government went down to try to see, hey, what's going on down here? Are these people safe? A U.S. congressman was killed, and several reporters were killed. And then Jim Jones figured out, uh-oh, uh-oh, they're going to come for us. And so what did he do? He gave little cups of Kool-Aid with cyanide in it. To all the mommies and the daddies and the little kids. And they drank the Kool-Aid, and 300 people died. Because they placed their faith not in a dry well, but in somebody who knew better than God. Beware the no-betters. These are the folks in your life who know better. These are the folks in your life that when Christ comes to you and says, it's me, I have what you need, these are the folks who say, no, 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 I know better. 
I'll show you the way. You come and follow me. I'll teach you. I'll provide for you. I'll satisfy you. You beware those folks. And I don't know, in the next political election, we got, we got a big one coming up. And, 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 and this guy says, uh, uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid, follow me. And the guy on the other side goes, no, no, don't drink his Kool-Aid. I know the way. You're going to say, I know the way. It's Jesus. And I can't vote my way to soul satisfaction. I can't manage my money to soul satisfaction. I can't date or marry or divorce my way out of my soul's cravings. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's the only one. And everything else is either dirty water or Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Come to God's one and only. The woman at the well chose wisely. And she went and grabbed her friends and family, the people she didn't even hardly associate with in the town, and she brought them and she said, hey, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be God's anointed king? Could this be the Messiah? Yeah, yeah, it's him. It is him. And as you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to come to him. You're supposed to, he says, come, ask me for living water. Believe, he says, what I say about myself, that I am God's one and only. And if you will do that, and tomorrow morning when you wake up, you, you don't go first to the fridge, you go first to your knees. You don't go first to the faucet, uh, the LaCroix can. <laughs> you go first to the well that will never run dry. You go first to God's one and only. I need you to satisfy my soul. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to sleep better. You're going to make better choices in life. You're not going to be that water roaring and foaming and uncertain and tossed about here and there. No, no. You're going to have that stream of living water flowing through your soul. And this is, this is a, it's a one and done arrangement, but you got to keep coming back and keep drinking and keep drinking and keep drinking and he will never run dry. It's who he is. He is the well of living water. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have, I have, we all do. We go here and there and everywhere looking for satisfaction, looking for ways to quiet the thirst in our souls. And some of us even try church. Maybe church will fix me. Maybe church will satisfy me. But it's not a place. <laughs> it's a person. And it's not any person. 
There's only one. It's you, Jesus. And you stood up and you said to everybody, if you're thirsty, come to me. That's what you said, Jesus. And I know, man, I don't know, but I know that there are people here today who are thirsty. And some, like the woman at the well, they're thirsty and they know it. They might try to argue with you, Jesus. They might say, well, let's talk about theology, (laughs) something else. But they know that they're thirsting deep in their souls and that no other water will satisfy. So, Lord Jesus, come to them now and offer again the living water, the same water you offered to that woman at the well. And God, give them the faith to take hold of your one and only and come and receive the abiding presence of the living God, the waters that never run dry. God, some here, they don't know. They don't know that they're thirsty. They don't know that their soul is dry and desiccated. They think they're full of life because they've never seen, they've never experienced They've never received the gift of living water and they don't know the difference. And so they've been going through their whole lives thinking this is living. Great, wonderful, amazing. But God, they're they're stuck. They drop the bucket and nothing comes up. But then the next day, they just drop the same bucket down the same dry hole. God, I pray that today you reveal to the one who is deceived, to the one who is deluded and dry and desiccated. There is life (laughs) that overflows, that brings peace in the midst of uncertainty that brings satisfaction to the deep longings of our souls so that we don't crave like we once did, so that we look at the things of this world and and they grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace, Lord Jesus. And so that when they come to church, they don't come for anything other than you pray to you, to worship you, to ask and to seek and to knock for you. They learn, oh God, that there is nothing else and no one else who can truly satisfy. Speak to those folks today. Draw them into deep fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and satisfy their soul's longings.
thank you for how you have sustained and will continue to sustain your people and continue to be the living water that flows through the veins of the body of Christ at Morningside. And it's in your name we pray and ask these things, Lord Jesus. Amen.